Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who loves firing guns at Stonehenge for some fucking reason. <laughs> well, as you may be aware, there is only one field in England. And, <laughs> it's Stonehenge. Uh, <laughs> it's around Stonehenge. So, <laughs> like, I, I always, re- it's fun to realize that that England is much smaller than I thought it was. Right, right. I was, I was half hoping um, that you would pull out a Surf Ninjas reference here. God, I haven't watched Surf Ninjas since I watched it with you, Adam. Surf Ninjas is such a fun movie. Twenty um, fucking years ago, or whatever it was. There is one like scene 18. in Surf Ninjas where Rob Schneider, uh, who is ostensibly the same age as the main character, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, who are high school friends of our star. Uh, he is pretending to be their uncle, and he comes out in a wheelchair to scare the police off. <coughs> uh, and he shouts, don't make me come out there and beat you with my leg that no longer works. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> it's very dumb, and it's obvious, <laughs> pretty obvious that Rob Schneider was improvising. Right. Uh, but but in that scene, there is actually a really, really great moment Uh because he is meant to be a teenager, uh, pretending to be an older relative, <laughs> he, he introduces himself as as Uncle Whatever, thirty seven years old. Um, <laughs> he's like dressed as an old man in a wheelchair, <laughs> and it is actually very good. <laughs> Pat, before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our, our Patreon, patreon.com slash criterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you get access to a bonus episode. It's a non-criterion film. You get to vote on what we're going to watch. We put together a, uh, a poll every month, usually based on, uh, well, usually based on anything. Um, because sometimes it's based on movies we've watched recently on the main podcast, maybe something else from a director who's only featured once or twice in the Criterion Collection. Uh, Sometimes it's based on whatever's going on in the world. Uh, Sometimes Adam wakes up inspired and just messages me and says, (laughs) hey, I know what our poll's going to be. Right, right, Nothing to do with anything. Nothing to do with anything. This past January, it was uh, the um, drawn from the 2020 inductees into the National Film Library, from which we ended up watching Lilies of the Field. Some, sometimes Adam's hanging out on the internet too much and reads the conservative. What, what <laughs> Conservopedia was, was, was a great yeah. list. Conservopedia's yeah, lists of worst like liberal super films. Liberal movies, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it was very bad. We, we called a, a children's awesome. movie list out of that and ended up watching uh, uh, Ernest Goes to Camp, um, <laughs> which was a great episode and a great movie. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, but... But sometimes we also let our supporters uh, suggest lists. Um, in fact, let them. Whenever they suggest a list, we'll take yeah, it. Yeah, pre- it's pretty uh, much a guarantee because, like, yeah. we're not, we got nothing better. <laughs> right, right, right. So if you want to, uh, you know, make us watch a movie, that's another possibility. Yeah, and you, it's always a choice to make us watch Kazam, which our supporters have chosen to do twice. So we're, 
Which I mean, we, yeah, we I mean, made our we're, bed. We're we're slept in we're, it. We'll do. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm happy with it because, like, again, I think it's gonna it's gonna grow on us the more we watch it. Right, right. I'm not mad about it. Eventually, uh, you and I will be like able to like basically be able to recite the lines from Kazam. Yeah, word we'll be for the word. world's foremost Kazam experts. I I look forward to it. Yeah. I a thing I was um was I think about this and then somebody I, I follow on Twitter expressed this reality to me. Express this reality, and I was like, "Oh my God, this person feels the same way I do. This is amazing." Uh, which is that uh, every time anybody posts anything on Twitter, like somebody will be like, "Actually, I'm a, a whatever expert," and uh, in reality, this <laughs> happens, and it's like, and I want to be that way too. And the person was like, "I, I, you know, I, Pat, feel the same way as this person was posting. Well, I don't have any skills or any knowledge, so." I'll just I'm gonna be a foremost asshole basically or something like that. Yes. But uh, there you go. But like I just like the idea. It's like oh, if we push this Kazam thing far enough, finally I'll have a niche. Right. I'll be a foremost Kazam expert. Yeah, and then we can start KazamCon every year where we give our scholarly article presentations on Kazam. Oh, it'd be amazing. Uh, it'll be good. It'll be good. That is a dollar. You not only get access to voting, you get access to all the back catalog of those episodes. You also now get access uh, for a dollar and up to some some outtakes, some cutting room floor stuff from the main podcast that I've started putting up there. Uh, Sometimes it's bloopers. Sometimes it's uh, just extended cuts of conversations that I felt got a little too unwieldy for the main podcast. Maybe Uh, sometimes entire reviews of The Lighthouse. Maybe sometimes entire reviews of the lighthouse. I haven't put that one up yet, and I you don't really know that I will. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we'll see, we'll see. Uh, but that is a dollar. Uh, at five dollars, we like to thank those people on air. We only have one five dollar supporter right now. It is our good friend Stephen Goldmeyer, and we are so grateful to him. Uh, thanks, Stephen. Uh, thank you. At uh, $10 and above, we do something that is pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. Darn tootin' it is. Uh, I get that art printed up on a postcard and mail that off with a little personalized note. So that is $10 and above, and we like to thank those people on air as well. Thank you so much to Jason Westhaver, to Michael McGrath, to Patrick Yacco, to Christopher Otto, and to Adam Speakerman for being our $10 and above supporters. Thank you so if you much. want to get in on that, it is patreon.com slash lost in criterion. Look, I need to I need to loop back to something. Because I'm looking at okay. screenshots of Stonehenge now yeah. on Google while we're having this conversation. Okay. And I, I my brain keeps looping back. Why why shoot that scene at Stonehenge? <laughs> <laughs> why why not? Like, I, I just I can't my brain can't get over it. Like I keep I I it literally ruined the rest of the movie for me. It's because that's very early in the film, and I my brain like I'm watching. I'm like, but then like he'll be like, oh, if I could only have a whiskey, it's oh, and my and I'm just sitting there like, yeah, but why did you shoot that that scene at Stonehenge? Was Stonehenge the foremost military testing grounds of like the 1940s? Were they like, well, the, the Nazis wouldn't bomb this. It's too beautiful. Or alternatively, was it like one of those things where like, you know, Napoleon doing uh, archery practice with sphinx noses where they're like, oh, these fucking rocks. Who gives a shit? Blow them up. I I, I don't know. I just I can't get over it. I like I'm literally not going to be able to talk about anything else. 
Yes. I get it. So the Salisbury plan has a history of military use. Military training area covers roughly half of the plane. Uh, Army first conducted exercises in the plane in 1898. Yeah, uh, so 1898 people were like, well, fuck these stones. Right, right, right. <laughs> no one which cared is, about Stonehenge which, in 1898. <laughs> no, right. I, actually, I believe that because as far as I can tell, they're like, it was like this weird sort of universe that existed for a while in the late 1800s, early 1900s. We're like, well, yeah, we're going to steal shit from all kinds of places, but also these historical artifacts, fuck them. Shoot them with <laughs> right. arrows, man. You got some guns? Blast them. Actually, uh, it wasn't archery practice, was it? It was gunfire <laughs> practice. I don't know. I, so, don't um, know. I don't even think that's real. Lark Hill, which is, uh, I believe, the closest uh, community to Stonehenge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's a, uh, a three-mile drive, but it's actually less than a mile, uh, it looks like, across the plain. It's just the way the roads are set up makes it a three-mile right. drive. Um, Lark Hill has been the home of the Royal School of Artillery since 1915. Uh, still yeah, cool. no, still no answer as to why. No yeah, answer as like, to why. All you're describing to me, yeah, okay, cool, doesn't make any sense. Like, so the right. movie's accurate, but still it's insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> that it's doesn't not even mean like, it's good. It's not <laughs> even like Stonehenge was off in the distance. They're like... Literally they were literally sitting, sitting on, on Stonehenge, firing an artillery gun. And it's like, yes. why are you doing this? <laughs> like, I guess, okay, all I can go with, uh, the only solution I can come up with is is this. A, big rocks to hide behind if shit's going to blow up. Right. Number one. Yes. Number two, the safest place for Stonehenge is probably the place you're shooting the things from instead of the place that maybe you would accidentally shoot. I mean... When they when they started doing military exercises on Salisbury Plain, they were still giving every visitor to Stonehenge a little chisel to take some home with you. Oh, so, also like, true. Yeah. Okay. Very true. Good point. Um, God, man. Late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. What a bunch of cocksuckers, man! I tell you. <laughs> uh, see, you know, you live in Japan now, so so maybe it's different. Uh, but in America, we don't have anything as old as Stonehenge. Uh, so well, I think I, we. Put... I would like. Well, okay. No, when was Stonehenge built? Um, we don't, I don't know even exactly, know. obviously, but like, but I'm gonna say, there's probably Native American artifacts that are at least. Like, okay, let's listen. When I say nothing that old, I mean nothing that old that we respect. Oh, okay. So this week, uh, speaking of Stonehenge, this week we were talking about a Palin Pressburger film from 1949. It is called The Small Back Room. It was also released in the U.S. as Hour of Glory, uh, a, a much title more American that, title. <laughs> it's very, it's also, a very American title. It, what is the Hour of Glory? What does that even mean? Okay, I have a theory on this movie that we will get into that I think the Hour of Glory works for as a better title. Okay, please. I um, <laughs> can't wait to hear your theories about a movie that I frankly could not understand. <laughs> Excellent. Um this is based on a 1943 novel of the same name by Nog- Nigel Balchin. Um, oh, my Balchin? God. Who knows? Uh, I don't know. Just aren't there Nigel aliens in, uh, in Men in Black 2? There's a Balchinian race uh, because oh, it's a yeah. very overt, v- dumb, dumb visual joke. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so this movie... Uh, Drawing from the Criterion essay on this one, they they call it "Born Out of Disappointment." 
their explanation for that was is that another that, title? No, no, no. <laughs> it also could work. <laughs> Palin Frasberger had been working with the Rank organization, uh, the British studio. Rank dropped Palin Pressburger after the Red Shoes wrapped because they were convinced the Red Shoes was going to bomb. Boy, man, they fucked up. <laughs> they did. <laughs> um, uh, but what that meant for Palin Pressburger is that they went back and started working with uh, Alexander Corda again, who had reestablished his uh, British studio arm. Um, and I don't know if this is the first movie they'd work with Corda on. Well, I, I, I can't even speculate. Obviously, the last movie we talked about with Corda and with Pressburger was uh, The Thief of Baghdad, but they certainly made movies after that because... Of course, yeah. Yeah, Pressburger. Well, Pressburger, Powell and Pressburger. Well, it was Powell who worked on um, Thief of Baghdad, but Powell and Pressburger um, didn't come together until a later work with Corda because um, Corda sort of got them working together. Um, but I don't know the time the timeline on what was his and what wasn't. Um, right. And also, Corda's not not uh, listed as a producer on this, as far as I can tell. So I don't know. Well, because they're I listing Powell Pressburger and then Air, whatever it's called, Archer, the Archers, right? Right, is the, right. Is the produ- production studio. Yeah, which is them. This. Yeah, right. The Archers yeah, exactly. are them. Um, but, but yeah. Um, so Corda... Corda brought him back in to make this. They really made it right after the Red Shoes. Um, they brought back uh, a lot of a lot of their people. Like they brought their people with them. Like uh, both of our our leads here were in Black Narcissus. Uh, the cinematographer was uh, was a camera operator on uh, on Red Shoes. Um, they'd uh, yeah. They're returning to the other. The other sign of disappointment in this is that apparently, <laughs> apparently, our read of Death of Colonel Blimp might have been correct. Um, uh, in the idea I'm that, to remember. well, well, our read of Colonel Blimp was that uh, Blimp himself was shown as outdated for believing that war uh, could be noble, but not in a, not in a. Uh, like Slaughterhouse Five, uh, you know, right? Uh, okay, yeah, because if memory not, serves, yeah, right, not in the manner that war is ignoble and therefore shouldn't be fought, but but in the war in the war Powell, can't be noble, so total war is totally legit, dudes. Right, right. Was was the argument we got out of Colonel Blimp? Uh, apparently, they'd had a falling out with the Ministry of Defense, Powell and Passberger had because. The ministry felt that death of Colonel Blimp was a uh, implicit criticism of the army top brass. Um, <coughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, for, of course, for not but... wanting to- total war or for wanting total no, war. No, no, my guess is okay. Sane. Here's I what I think know. it is. I think the <laughs> argument there is probably the first part of the sentence we just made, which is <laughs> war is noble and and. Total War is totally legit. Yeah, yeah. I think they want their cake and to eat it too. Right. Like, you know what I mean? They want, like, this era of, of, well, not just this era, but, like, you get that idea, right? Like, we still, we, we bought into much, even harder in the United States of, like, ah, this this noble pursuit that right. is also 
most of the time just murdering random innocent people in the streets, basically. <laughs> right. Whereas, whereas this movie, this movie takes a lot of the themes of Colonel Blimp, um, in maybe newer ways in in a manner. First off, the minister is an idiot, um, played by yeah. a comedic actor who they didn't even advertise as in the movie. Like if you look at the credits, he's credited as a guest. It's a cameo because uh, the guy who plays him is known for playing bumbling idiots. Uh, right. So, so as near as I can tell, they just didn't want his name attached because people and would assume it's a comedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I cannot, I can find no, no reason or even speculation from anyone else on why he is credited as a guest, uh, other, other than just calling it a cameo and leaving it at that. Uh, in trying to figure it out, I did find someone describing that actor, uh, who is Robert Morley. Uh, someone describing Morley as a man who has more wobbly chins than a Shanghai drinking club, and that's the worst sentence I read this week. Yeah, I mean, you really, honestly, probably didn't need to read it to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, just in the grand scheme of things, I know you wanted to get it out there because now it was trapped inside of you, right? And right. You need to need, excise that demon. To, but now I, I have it, it and like that's. I mean, thank you for the ringing me. I suppose. <laughs> Now you've got to tweet it. I yeah. I got it out of me. I don't have to tweet it. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll I'm just sorry, whisper it to my children in their sleep, and they'll never know. <laughs> there you go. That'll work. That'll work. <laughs> It'll become their key. Now things. you guys have this. I'm sorry, <laughs> Daddy still loves you, but you're cursed. Well, but uh, but the minister is an idiot. Uh, everyone else is a profiteer basically except mm-hmm. for the actual military the actual military is good no it's here. it's exactly the same thing it's it is right. it is it, it, in that part it, it, assume, the elements that are about the military right like right cuz that's the, the part of the problem i have with this movie is it's 18 different things at the same time and it's also none of those things right. like it can't seem to concentrate it's very it kind of feels very haphazard to me i'm like what story am i watching here um but the one with regards to the military, yeah, the military is like, well, we've got to protect our boys. This is all we care about. I'm like, you are sending them in waves to get, I don't know, like, okay, <laughs> right, whatever, right, man. Right. Like, we do not need to get into the politics of war and, like, whether or not you care about these people you're sending off to be slaughtered. Um, well, after, after the pan drum run or whatever that big thing was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, from, pan jan drum, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I understand, you know, there's a lot of very useless weaponry being suggested yeah. um, and a, a weapon that will actually lead to your own soldiers being killed. Sure. That's great to be against, but you know, just be against all the weapons. That'll be good too. Yeah. Well, and they're uh, not even <laughs> against when it's going to get their soldiers killed in like, in a direct sense, like the Pandan drum, which is just madness. <laughs> like just this one is just like guns. maybe a little hard to use. And I'm like, right. Well, it's slow, but also at the actual test, the general or whatever's uh, main complaints about it is that his soldiers are idiots. <laughs> yeah, no, like, no. That's like what he literally it's says, like, I don't have a single is... soldier who could aim this before they were dead. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, and it's like, I was like, thank you for your faith. Um, but no, I, I, it's it, like the whole thing is like, and and then the the military stuff is just a subplot anyway. Right. Because the movie's mainly about this person dealing with 
having an artificial leg, and that whole plot setup is not really explained. Right. But it is uh, the main point of this movie. Here's the thing. Um yes. and what what I almost what I almost tweeted yesterday after watching it and what I sent you a message and I'm glad you didn't respond. Uh there is so much of this movie where that artificial leg is just a metaphor for impotence. Okay. And like yes, actual but, sexual but, impotence. But, but, but here okay, yeah, you're right. You're totally right. But Here's what I'm going to say, okay? I, I'm, if I'm going to give this movie a total benefit of the doubt, I'm, I don't usually do this, and I don't intend to do it for very long. But people, uh, assuming he lost the leg, which is yeah. probably accurate, that is a, there's a lot of interplay between, even without, like, metaphorical in a movie between... Right, right. There is, people there losing is... parts of their body and then starting, and then like, the sort of connection to their... Capabilities as a person and the remnants of that trauma. No, it makes sense, right? And so it it makes sense. What I found interesting, and here this is my take on this movie, basically, is that the goal was to talk about the things that happened to the soldiers without actually talking about the things that happened to the soldiers as soldiers, right? Which is to say, talking about the trauma they suffered without having to engage with them as soldiers, which is what would be required in a post-war film, like, oh, he's a, he, was, he was in the war and he lost his leg. Well, that's a very overplayed concept, by ni- even by 1949, right? Like, that's... Within well, Britain, certainly, made almost. Seven, yeah. We've already made a million <laughs> movies like that. And, 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 and to a certain extent, being a former soldier kind of obscures the ability to talk about it in a really honest way, right? Because now you're... Now you're uh, when you when you show them having real problems, now now you're just attacking Listen, our noble absol- patriots. Absolutely, the thin line that so much of of you know Western film was walking uh, through the mid '50s was dealing accurately with this trauma, and and you know Western society in general, right? Dealing accurately with this trauma uh, without looking like you're uh, attacking the military is a very right. thin line that the Soviets and- just didn't care about. They're like, right, right. Hey, well, yeah. no, it's bad. <laughs> Whole thing's yeah. bad. Um. And, and 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 the thing about <laughs> it is, is that um, this this um, like this is a way around that, right? Is yeah. that you're? It's still during the war. He's not a soldier, but he's right. involved. But like it, it allows you to tell the audience what you're trying to talk about without like. It's all a lot of like right. it's sort of euphemistic well, speaking to a certain extent, but with a film. And I'm not just I, talking about sexual innuendo or something like that. I'm talking like we need to talk about this trauma, and this is the only way we right. can do it without like being accused of being anti-military. I absolutely get that, and I think I think you're right to to their motivations. Uh, but also, there are just so many like overt things. Yeah, like oh, you're right. Like the officer putting him back on the train after he's defused the bomb in the climax. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like, don't let anybody ever tell you you're not a man. <laughs> right. Wait, but what come he talk literally, to me and I will tell them just how big your penis is. Right, right. What he literally says is, <laughs> is anyone, if anyone has any doubt about what you can do with your hands or arms or any other part of you, you yeah. send them along to me. And, yeah, no. and I'm like, did I they mean, have yeah, sex? Is, is that what that. happened? Is that like, uh, and now, then we get, 
we get the the little sub thing with with Taylor, the stuttering guy who's having problems with his wife, um, and it's uh, it's our hero's confidence that actually saves the day for Taylor, and getting his confidence back puts him in charge, and then he can get Taylor so that Taylor can stay around with his wife. Um, I uh, which by the way, remember I went in the opening of this I talked about not I don't understand any of what the fuck is happening there uh, i'm gonna level with you okay let's let's get let's get down to really down to the baseline of this this movie on criterion collection doesn't have subtitles this yeah. is a problem for me <laughs> i i have as i have gotten older have a harder time understanding movies in general yeah and i watch almost everything with subtitles on now like it's just the way i do it uh i even engaged with this i didn't do other things i watched this movie i'm like what the fuck are they saying I yeah. can't understand any human being in this movie. I watched whole chunks of this movie four times to understand any of the words that were being said. And, like, especially with that 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 young guy who's having trouble with his wife, I still don't know what happened. I, I watched those scenes many times over. I'm like, he's having trouble with his wife. That's all I get. I don't understand any of the other words they're saying. No idea what's going on. Uh, I was like, well, he's having wife, he's having trouble with his wife. And it seems to be resolved. Way to go! Right. Don't know what happened. Well, it, it, <laughs> it the the setting has been placed for it to be resolved. But but that's really you're not missing much because it's just a bunch of vague things about uh, trouble at home, right? It's never uh, it's implied that it's because he's not around, but also uh, Wednesdays she's not around anyway. So, so there's, you know, there's this implication. I don't know that uh, maybe he thinks he's cheating on her in this very subtle way, but, but even that, I mean, that's so subtle and so buried in subtext that I'm projecting. I think, right? But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just not that I've been cheated on in a way that would make me project, but you know, I'm making assumptions yeah, it's, it's that aren't. So you're, you're in adding the text your bias to it, maybe. Yeah, right. but the thing about it is, is like I found most of the movie like that for me, though. Is there's right. I, I mentioned before, like this movie has like seven different plots going on, all of which on their own are not very good movie plots. And like <laughs> they're all just sort of happening at the same time as like and then it's like and now you need to care about what's happening with this weapon and I'm like, No, I don't. And it's like, Oh, now now it's time for the whiskey talk. And now right. we're gonna have this very prolonged scene where he agonizes over the over the bottle of whiskey in this, I would call it fairly unartfully done, like <laughs> trauma dealing scene. Like for for a group of a pair of people who made the red shoes, which is dramatic in such an intense way. This is melodramatic. It is very melodramatic. Um, I mean, it's like a pink elephants on parade sort of thing. But, yeah, that's what know, I'm saying. It's like I was animated. like, yeah, you're absolutely right. It was like. And this is the part where where Tigger turns into a <laughs> fucking right. giant spring creature or something. Yeah, um, right. And you know he he doesn't actually drink at that point, so there's that. Um, <laughs> he doesn't start drinking until five minutes after that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I also don't understand the alcoholism plot. Not because I don't understand alcoholism, but I don't. I don't get it because. And then at the end, like, it's like he solved his problems, and she's like, you can take a drink. And I'm like, he's been drinking the whole fucking time. I don't understand well, what's going on here. 
on the one hand, uh, that as her returning to him and the promise of taking a drink is is the uh, <laughs> everything works again, so to speak. Um, but also, we get an establishment a couple of times early on that that sort of their coy relationship is that he says, "Oh, I think I'll have a whiskey," and she says, "Oh, I'll get you a whiskey," and then. He denies having the whiskey, and that means I love you, right? Right. I um, don't. Can I explain to you that I don't understand that? Like, I yeah. understood it in the sense that, like, I, I, like, these words are being said, and I understand <laughs> all the words that are being said, and like, I speak this language. I promise, right. and like, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I get it. I get it. Um, it's yeah. No, I understand. Uh, I I might submit that uh, these people are just too fucking English for me. It's possible. Well, apparently in the novel, they actually live together instead of across the hall from each other. <laughs> of course. Of which, course. Yeah. <laughs> like, because that makes no fucking sense. Right. They are in They are in a, an actual relationship as opposed to this coy, the oh, they're not is. having sex. Uh, British censor thing that ends up happening here. Um, despite the fact that his apartment doesn't even have a door. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she lives across the hall, which is separated by by a curtain. Um, uh, but, uh, but, yeah. So, that whole sort of... You know, it's reminiscent a little of that Dolly dream sequence in the one Hitchcock movie. Uh, was it Notorious? I don't think it was Notorious, but I can't remember oh, which man, one it was. Um, but but it's also, I mean, there's Dutch angles, but there's not like the German expressionism <laughs> sort of angles right. that really play into that sort of thing. Um, so uh, so I don't know. Um, I I just don't, I don't under I it's a fine sequence but it did kind of lose my interest after <laughs> like no I I I pretty I was like well because like I went through that thing where I was like well I get what they're doing here now let's move on like I don't yeah. need to spend a lot of time with this because it's not engaging enough to feel like I, I I'm not be I'm not feeling empathetic towards this character because right. of this I'm just trying to slog through this weird like psychological break sequence in the middle of this very melodramatic movie. And I feel like they also don't get suspense enough to justify 17 minutes of bomb uh, diffusing. Like like normally normally a 17 long minute uh, sequence of someone doing a job you know is something we actually latch on to in the movie. Right? Um but uh but Pal and Pressburger are not uh well, are yeah, not suspense I, guys. I didn't buy it into it. Like. I wasn't or at scared. least not I not in that sort of him. suspense. Right? Yeah. I was no, never nervous I, for him. This is not their this isn't real I feel like this movie is not really their their bag. They don't they don't right. kinda I feel like they kinda don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Like that sounds mean, but like that whole bomb diffusing thing, I was like, I'm not buying into the suspense of this. I'm not I'm not I'm not invested. Like, I know he's not going to blow up. And, like, I know that that's true in many movies, but you've got your job, Mr. Film Director, is to make me forget that I know he's not going to blow up. Right, right. You, That's your job, and, I, and I'm and i not feeling it. 
like at right. all right now. Even with the um, stakes of Stuart dying off screen. Well, I think that's I part of, probably part of the problem is he died off screen. Right. I, I think part of the problem in like lowering the stakes is like that could have been shocking enough because you're like, well, yeah, no, he's going to, you know, if he had been more part of the movie and then yeah. like, because we never yeah, see Stuart's him. Stuart's just too like much of a background character. Time. Yeah. We see him like three times total and then we find out how he died in a, in a, in a, <laughs> in right. a, uh, uh, in a report, like the stenographer's report, yeah, of what happened. I'm like, you could have made me like invested with him, kill him, and then it'd be like, oh shit, they're gonna, they, they're willing to do this. Right, right. So if like, you know, if if Stewart took the first one, and uh, and Sam was there and acting as his assistant, but on the right, other right. On, end of the phone. Right, um, and then he has to go in and try again right. because it's like, right. oh man, I now I have to do this. Yeah. Now, of course, you know I can't completely discount the stenographer thing because it is uh, at least one more woman in this film. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> and, you're and right it is about a that. very emotional, emotionally fraught scene. Um, and it's it's good to see other people caring about Stuart as well, right? <laughs> um, right. But, um, but yeah. It's just, yeah, I don't, I don't connect with the suspense, and I get that. Uh, and the fact that it's kind of the same length as like the main dance sequence of the Red Shoes, uh, yeah. but the Red Shoes seventeen minutes is so so much more compelling than yeah than this guy. And even like the oh well, it's on the pebbly beach, and it's all these loose pebbles. It's like yeah, it moves a lot, and. <laughs> And by the by the inconsistent definition of how these bombs work that we've seen through the rest of the thing, right. he should have blown up like twelve times. Yeah, no, but totally. Still... <laughs> and like I I I don't want to be like an asshole. Yeah, I kinda do. But <laughs> like you're the army. You could just like not let people go there. <laughs> you can leave that shit on that beach forever. Like I know I understand they but like you don't understand how it works? Well, I I, under, I understand, what? but it's like the weird thing is like, oh, we don't have the equipment we need for this for the Pebble Beach. Like, oh, wait a fucking day. Yeah, yeah. Like, right. just you know, get the equipment you need. Like, why are you doing this like this? You have time. I guess. I guess. I mean, part of my problem there is also why do they need to understand it instead of yeah? Just why can't they just putting blow a bell over it them? and blowing yeah. it up? Yeah, um, I don't know why they can't just like do control, like you know, yeah. like oh, we found another one. Well, blow it up. Now that they're you not going to get it, anything about knowing how it works because now, like the yeah. kids will keep picking them up. Right now that you know what it looks like, you can do as much as you can do to stop people from touching them again. Yeah, no, totally, you're so. right. Like, take a picture of it and be like, make a bunch of like, <laughs> yeah, World War Two posters don't, saying like, don't touch. You see a things. weird thermos? <laughs> like, don't touch yeah. it, man. Come on. But but also the the implication and and we get this certainly from Colonel Blimp too, uh, that the the Germans are so singularly evil that they oh, would drop improvised thermos bombs that murder one person at a time. Yeah, I know it's well, it's it. I mean, is, let's is be clear. Here. The accurate? funny thing is, is this is, is 1949, so we're we're post war, and yeah. yet that, that that need to make it seem like. That and of course, you know, it's still going on today. This need to make the like Germans and the Nazis a unique force that existed without antecedent or without like 
result. Like right. in the sense that like, oh, no, they were all overtaken by evil demons that made them do this bad thing. And they like that's what you get with this sort of way of thinking. Right. It's like, oh, well, yeah, the Nazis were super evil. They were special alien evil that wanted to murder <laughs> one child at a time in England. Right. It's right. like, no, you fucking idiots. Stop it. Um, but also, why do kids want to pick up thermoses so bad? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, I was a child. Like, yeah, maybe. But also, maybe, like, I don't care, too. It's a thermos. And it's, oh, oh, maybe, it's got, maybe it's got hot tea in it. They put Drink so it. much. The implication <laughs> that the Germans are so evil that they devoted years of research yeah, to design like they a, a thing. really complicated bomb that wouldn't blow up when it, like all this shit. And it's like, right. I need to kill children in England. Right. What is, what is the end game there, right? I You're don't not know. just it's like, yeah. like, like, I don't, that's not more evil than just dropping an incendiary bomb on every town in Japan, right? Yeah, but, no, it, well, no, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's, it, it, but it's that thing, right? Is it? It's like this continuation of like, oh, like the 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 what is it called? The 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 V. What is it called? The V rockets. The right, right, right. Like the, the idea that like that was all about psychological intimidation and not hope. Then not them hoping eventually it would work and they would actually blow up the country. <laughs> right, right. Like you right, know what I mean? Like right. it's like they didn't make that just so they could scare you. I mean that worked. They were like, yeah, it's working that way. But like also they were hoping they would eventually get lucky and like blow up something important yeah right like that was the hope like it's not like but like the extension of believing it was all about psychology is like well if we murder enough individual children in a bunch of random towns all over the countryside which we'll is demoralize people the will be scared of us and it's like right. what like, i got bad news for you <laughs> already scared right 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 uh yeah it's just I don't know. It it's just very seems weird. Like... It's all very weird. I, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's this. I mean, this movie has really severe England World War II brain. It, just, it, <laughs> right. it does. Right. It's a very particular type of brain worm. It really is. <laughs> it's, it's just. I and it, it's really hard to get over because I was like watching it. I was like, like okay, so the e- super evil Nazis who are trying to murder individual children, um also have such a bad aim that it just landed in this beach in the middle of fucking nowhere. Right. It's like, are they not trying to drop these in cities? It's 20 feet from the ocean this time. Like, yeah, what it's like, what were you, what was happening here? And, and like, on the, and they came, on the other side of this berm that it's sitting on is a lake. So, yeah, it's, it's like, what were you, like, and like, and the, the way, like, they run through, like, where they fell. And it's all yeah. and like all the places they describe is like this one felt fell in northern Wales and I'm like what the fuck are they doing up there the the place he has literally no idea where sheep? is right yeah like well it's like we were we the evil Germans were hoping that <laughs> the English people's sheep would slowly find our evil thermos canisters and blow up. it's like what was the plan I I don't yeah. know man it I mean at it's, least yeah, like it's very much World War Two. Uh, England brain worm. It's it, at it, least the the doodle bombs. Yeah, they're a psychological thing, and they're not. They're just kind of fired, and where they end up, they end up, and like that's right. the plan, right? But the hope still is that it blows up something 
of well, of, yeah, their, their goal is like if we of shoot ordinance. enough of these things, eventually. Well, I mean, they'll still be scared, or, which is great. But then, or also I imagine hit something. at least it'll kill more than one person. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is like we built a bomb that's like essentially a hand grenade. That like at most we're gonna get like three people. I don't. It's right. just under optimum, <laughs> under optimum. <laughs> Where where some guy sees it and invites a bunch of other people yeah, yeah. to look at it before one out. of them I think it's got it a golden ticket in it, and then yeah. they open it. Um, but then the thing about it also is that like, there's also only like been like five of them. So like, is this a pilot program? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. keep in mind all the thing the other things we've talked about were done on a mass scale, as big as the production would let them do it at. Right. Given the complexity of what they were building. Right. This is like, well, we built five of them. We dropped them. Let's go fill now, out those TPS reports about how it worked. Assuming this plan does date, uh, you know, that, that that this is how this whole nefarious scheme is presented in the novel, and the novel's from 1943. So mm-hmm. I guess we can, we can back up a second and say <clears throat> British war brain in 1943 – almost certainly expected the Germans to do something like this. <laughs> right. I, I'm now I'm now realizing I should look up German booby trap bombs just to double check that like uh it didn't Maybe we, exist. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Do you want to take a second and, and see yeah, what I'm we like, can find on Okay. Oh my god, I'm on a Daily Mail article. I've done I've gone down a shitty, shitty rabbit hole now, boys. Um Death by chocolate revealed the fiendish German World War II booby traps, including a thermos flash bomb, a deadly bangers and mash. And I'm feeling like they just watched this movie. <laughs> Exploding chocolate. All right, part I, I'm I am Nazi chocolate bomb. The I'm Nazi, feeling the that, Nazi like, chocolate bomb, which first off is a design uh, that I have seen attributed to the OSS. Um, yeah, and then uh, I, I think it's I think it's actually just fake. I think it's one of those weird like I think it's part of the brain worms, not not yeah. the cause of the brain worms. But also even even the uh the BBC version of this article describes it as being intent to blow up ships, which makes more sense because then, you put a whole trying in a to ship. blow up individual children? Yes, yeah. I would say so. No, I as far as I can tell this is not real. Like it may be it, it, it is part of the brain worm in the sense that like you're reading about shit like this and then everybody's telling stories to everybody else in town. You've got the whole like basically the equivalent of uh, if you see something, say something going around. Right. And before you know it, people are writing books about it. Right. Uh, and like the idea of these. Uh, first off, even the Daily Mail introduces it as as Germans planned to. I uh, I couldn't read it because I got a hey, would yeah. you like to pay for the Daily Mail pop up? And I was like, no, uh, absolutely. No, I not. would not, sir. Um, German German plan was to use individual spies to plant these bombs. Like like the engineering Why required not just to drop, drop them on England the airplane. Here, England, have some chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would expect. I would. I guess the way the chocolate bars work also, though, uh, you couldn't, like, accidentally arm it, right? No, you, know, you would have to know it's a bomb, yeah. The, cho- like, the chocolate bar bombs were, were for discreet transport, not not tricking someone into... They weren't yeah. <laughs> They weren't the CIA trying to kill uh, 
kill uh, uh, Castro with an exploding cigar. These were right. <laughs> these were things that were meant to be used by spies who were going to also die in whatever they yeah. did. Yeah, you know, just googling booby trap bombs uh, oh, that's <laughs> brings a up a lot of things about the chocolate and a little bit of things about uh, the SC the SC two fifty had a booby trap meant to. Uh, blow up anyone trying to defuse it if it did not explode when it actually landed. Um, which so is, which is, is I assume, part of that. Like, I mean, like, where a lot of this comes from, right, is, like, people, unexploded, arm, uh, like, armament is a thing, right? Right, And, like, right, people right. died from it because, like, the things they were dropping were much worse than, like, a thermos bottle, right? And, like... You know, and kill a lot of people if they go off and they're found. And so, you know, you can see how, like, people start building this sort of, like, really crazy thing in their head. Where they're like, well, I mean, it's not a big leap mentally for, like, a writer or somebody to go from, like, unexploded ordinance to yeah. purposefully, like, ah, these are bombs meant to kill children. Right. I mean, they are bombs meant to kill children. Let's be very clear here. That is what their job <laughs> is. Right, uh, right. The right. real ones too. Like the real ones that existed for real. But this is just this a weird, stupid yeah. sort of derivative of it in, in people's minds, right? So the SC the SC two fifty, which is really the only thing that comes up with as a, a plane dropped booby trapped armament, um, was a uh five hundred and fifty pound bomb. <laughs> it was it was uh sixty five inches long. Um and uh uh you know 15 inches round and it was dropped from an airplane and admittedly unexploded sc-250s are still being discovered uh right. most recently may 23rd of 2019 one was found at a construction site in central london um so yeah they <laughs> it happens and they're exploding and i don't want yeah, to discount no, the idea no, that's not what that i'm trying to get at obviously but, I, we I know see the random mental, citizens like, died from through. german armaments but they weren't a booby tra- a a highly engineered uh, pipe bomb that somehow only <laughs> had the explosive capability to kill one person because it was so highly engineered to be dropped from an airplane and have two different uh uh. Like trigger mechanisms, yeah. It, trigger it's mechanisms, crazy. like shaky trigger mechanisms, like right. It, like, it's, it's all just, crazy. I don't. It's, it's it's a mad. It's a maddening plot. Like, right. Um, no, I. I mean, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't. <laughs> I, I I started to have a weird thought about like we're talking about these thermos bombs, and then like my brain's going, yeah, but that sounds like something we would have done in Vietnam. <laughs> And maybe didn't be no, it. You no, no, absolutely. Mean? Like, like, like this I is said, exactly something like we would said, be like. We've got it. The, We're going to win their hearts and minds by sending down thermos bottles filled with again, bombs. What we talked about with Colonel Blimp, the entire idea that the Germans would sink to something this low is what was used as justification for burning Dresden and for firebombing mm-hmm. uh, every every town, ninety five percent of of Japan, yep. um, or more. Uh, you know, and it's this idea that that we are fighting something so singularly evil that nothing we can do will Makes us will drag us down to that. their yeah. level, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's the same justification that had us imprisoning 
putting putting Japanese citizens in concentration camps through the war too. And, right? and it's a, and it's the same mentality that we've carried now for for seventy something years right. about every enemy that we fight. Right. Air it's, quotes is. So it is well, the they're they're just state, so evil. Right? We have to do. I mean, they're just so evil. We have to come up with this insane chemical agent that will like yeah. deforest their entire. Like it's fucking insane. And, and like, or even oh. or even they're just so sneaky that we need to build razor wire fences all through Washington D.C. and make sure that you can't get online without using your real name. Um, yeah, no, like, it's it's all the same stuff. And it, and it, and it's just it's really funny it, in a very very Schadenfreude like dark way that like watch a movie like this like well those those damn sneaky nazis who right will build these bombs like oh man like to i almost one it's fascinating to to like that's such a fascinatingly like sort of basic worldview almost that to be able to possess it's like I mean, I understand that 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 is still a dominant worldview, but like, nonetheless, I'm like, oh boy, this movie, man. That and that and then that's just a side plot. That's just another plot in this movie. I mean, hasn't the U.S. literally uh, dropped bombs disguised as aid? Or am I? I mean, am I just thinking that we're more evil than maybe we are? It sounds like something we did in like Cambodia, and I can't. I I, I can't remember. So many dark things happened in Vietnam and Cambodia that, like, I can't. I'm sure maybe. I know, like, there's a lot of like. I don't even. It sounds familiar to me too. But keep in mind, they tried to find Bin Laden by baking a fake fucking vaccination program. Now nobody fucking trucks. It's like. Nobody will t- get vaccines because, like, oh, what's well, just another CIA, CIA plot? It's like right, right. It's like in a. I'm sure we did. I I'd almost guarantee it. And it's just it it is amusing to think that that in, according to this 1949 movie, that's the most sinister shit in the world. And I'm like, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it is doing it would be real sinister. It's it's super but, bad, but like, but it is not in fact worse than. Uh, deciding from space that the group of people you're looking at is a bunch of terrorists when it's actually a wedding and then also firing on the ambulances that show up. And that's a thing that the U S does on the reg. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what I was kind of get at is it's like it, this movie (laughs) is such a piece of its time that it's like almost, it's almost fast. It's, it becomes fascinating to imagine a worldview where that's like, that things are so so starkly drawn. That you're like, well, right. these fuckers over here are the ultimate evil, right? Right. And we're they all will good murder guys. every child in England one at a time. And we're all good guys, and all our men have sexual tension with each other. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, yep, um, yep, yep, yep. And all of our and all of our commanders have crazy ass mustaches, a hundred percent across the board. All of the it's commanders actually, a, and one trumpet player. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like that. That's like maybe that was like, oh, you want to advance in the ranks of the of the army? Have you considered growing <laughs> grow a, a bitch mustache. mustache? Oh yes. Um, actually, speaking of the trumpet player, let's uh, let's switch hand, switch gears for a little bit and have a a lighter conversation about the sound design of this movie. Okay, uh, I mean, and how I, I couldn't hear most of it, so there's <laughs> well, that. Well, that's that's one of the things I want to talk about. Oh, 
Okay, uh, no, no, no. Okay, I, let me correct something really quick before we even get into this. I understand that there are whole parts of it that you're not meant to understand. I'm talking about the parts I was supposed to understand. I also couldn't understand because people were very mumbly in this movie. Yeah. And they were also British, so boy, things got real hairy for me. I I believe that Palin Pressburger wanted this to take place in an inhabited world. Uh, mm-hmm. And as such, there's a lot of like background noise Mm-hmm. Um, that is sometimes used for comedic effect, sometimes used for dramatic effect, sometimes just exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the opening scene where we get the cacophony, uh, milieu of different voices in this in this building, you know, with military from all over the world, well, all mm-hmm. over Europe, uh, and America, and uh, and as we pan down the sign of whose office is where, we get to hear one person of each of those languages say a line. Um, and that is to Which an interesting effect. It right? is an interesting effect, but we have to talk about the fact that an explosive armaments research division is in the same building as the deposed Polish government agents, like uh, <laughs> right, official right. camp. Like probably, probably like not the, a great the, idea. The, like the the official like uh, and Polish fact, government in exile, which is also right next to like the official uh, like Czech uh, government in exile, which is next to like. And then, oh yeah, and then here's our explosive ordinance research. <laughs> and then division. the Red Cross, like, the Red Cross offices are also there. Like, and this then... seems like inefficient uh, office space design right. choices, guys. Right. But then, like um, the scene with the ministers, where there's like construction work going on outside yeah. for no reason, and then the guys come in with the blackout curtains and are also distractingly loud. Um, the the nightclub scenes with the band. Uh, which again used to dramatic effect when uh, he calls Susan a bitch, and we get a uh, we get a drum beat over yeah. the b word, um, and it's just like why why did that just even happen? Um, yeah, I, like, I, I get mean, that he's mad, but I think well, I mean that's I assume that's them trying to like up the like the stakes <laughs> right. of the movie without actually right. like getting like. Oh, we want to get away with this, but we also want to up the stakes. Like, right, 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 right. Um, yeah, she should just, be mad at him. He called her a dirty word, one yeah. of the most dirty words that you can yeah, call a just, woman. It's just that, like, I, 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 I think the fact that it's used for so many different purposes muddles yeah. that effect to the point where you're like, well, like, you're you could say it, you could use it to say a lot about like society and how like. We're none, there's no we can't understand each other and like this this war is like making it so we can't understand each other or something like that i don't know if that's a thing that you want to say well, but like instead it's like well sometimes it's a comedy and sometimes it's i think it it maybe it maybe is uh another metaphor for this distracting nature of the trauma he's going through maybe and his inability to focus on anything because we do um it is maybe interesting in that regard that the only time the soundtrack is actually quiet from background noise is when he's defusing the bomb. And even right before and right after, we have the sounds of the ocean and the seagulls who we even look directly at. Um, but while he's actually working, he's not hearing the seagulls. Um, so maybe there's something there, but yeah, maybe. I just... I found it very interesting that there's just so much going on sound wise and not, it's not just a, 
we shot this on location and this is the sound that the microphones picked up. Like this is all shot it's very on stage anyway, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah, I agree it's interesting. I just don't know that it actually worked very well. Right, right. You know what right. I mean? Like I, I agree that it's like it's a, there's a lot of interesting choices being made and I admire them existing, but the grand scheme of it was like, well, I don't get what you're exactly trying to right. Show me and then, or tell me, and like the result is, I just I'm like, cool. This scene, like he's talking and nobody can hear him, and and like, oh, yeah. maybe he can't express himself. Maybe it's part of it, like part of the trauma. He can't like, even when he tries to express himself, people don't hear him, understand. But sometimes he's just reading like essentially like a field report, and it's like, well, that's not. I don't know, man. <laughs> what do you want from me? movie right and the fact that the minister wasn't paying attention while he reads the field report is its own little bit of comedy there too but like the minister wasn't going to be paying attention even if there wasn't background noise so right and then also that's like not comprehensible information to the minister <laughs> anyway it's like like he's so stupid he doesn't understand this like right right omnibus penetration report and it's like that what joke's you already that, long established so, me too, guys. Me too. Like that I joke, don't know what you're talking about. That joke was established in the casting, apparently. So yeah. like <laughs> So yeah, it's like it yeah. get in it, yeah, exactly. It's like I don't know And the then sound even parts not, yeah. Am I supposed to know what that hissing steam engine is when the stenographer is reading back her report? Uh, like, no, there's I a lot of sound design that is like it, maybe it makes more sense to people in the time and the place where you're like, oh, I know what that sound is. That's the that's the thing that nobody's used for 40, 50 years because it's super deadly. Or even in the penultimate scene, we get we get the general offering him the promotion and we have some guy snoring in the background. <laughs> like... Yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> I don't... And so even... so, But having that in there, you start getting into like, okay, well, maybe it's not trying to say anything because like... He's already resolved, quote unquote, resolved all of his issues. Right, right. By right. now becoming a full, a fully, full fledged man again, uh, with with bombs and I, you know, because if we're going for that as the the <laughs> primary theme there, you're like, well, now everything since everything works, we shouldn't have interruptive sound design. I mean, yeah, even even if it isn't a sexual impetus thing, that is still the predominant theme. He has reestablished right, his so manhood. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, by the time he, yeah, no matter what it is about establishing manhood and like the effectiveness of you as a person despite what's happened to you um and it's it's a it's supposed to be triumphant in that way i right. guess and then like but like so the sound design can't be part of that because it's still happening in the end after we've already resolved all the issues using magic psychology where <laughs> right, right, people right, right. defuse one bomb and everything's a-okay now this might literally be the most Freudian movie we've ever watched for this podcast. Yeah, I know we've talked about this a lot recently, but yeah. yes. I mean, <laughs> it, but almost laughably so, right? Because it oh, is yeah. so much more like it, 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 it does reek of like, you know, that sort of stuff. And it, it, I don't know, man. I don't want to like, I was hoping I would really like it, but like it doesn't, it's very muddled for me. Like, I can't, like, there's so many plots, and they're all, like, none of them are interesting. Right. Uh, and, and and there's I even... I don't understand what's going on in this movie, man. With the sound design, there's even an aspect of, like, that uh, further into that introductory scene, there is, you know, it's used to good effect to introduce us to 
uh, most of our main characters, right? Or most of our periphery characters, with the exception of Sammy, who we don't meet until we go to the to the next scene at the bar. Right. Um, we get Susan calling through the door, and we don't see her yet. And then she introduces him. Um, it's Stuart who's coming in, who's who's quiet and and sort of lost. And we get the really bombastic bombastic uh, door guard guy, yeah. who's you know. <clears throat> at least has his his finger on the personalities of the rest of the office to know that Taylor needs help later in the movie or whatnot. Right. Um, you know, so we, we, we meet a lot of people and we establish who they are and what makes them different, uh, I guess. Um, and then that yeah, bar's just okay, but most of them turn out again. to not be important, right? Like right, most right, of them right. like, turn just out like to be sort totally of like peripheral, peripheral characters guys. anyway. Yeah. And even Stuart, who is ostensibly the the main supporting actor, is just not around for most yeah, of the movie. Yeah, it's not eighty percent of the movie, ninety yeah. percent of the movie. Yeah. Die you know, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh so yeah, it's <laughs> you're right. Um Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just that we don't like Palin Pressburger during the war or post-war talking about the war still being. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I mean, it, it strikes me. I think that's true, but I think they like it strikes me that they got real, real serious England war brain and can't like see how what can't see things in context at all in the you know what I mean like. It, it it just it strikes me that that's exactly and we've seen it before with other directors and other people involved in the create sort of in the creative industries to, that it still sort of carries on is is you know I guess part of what makes it and it's sort of like the antecedent that leads us to where we are now in many ways yeah it, it's it's wild. I think the Powell and Pressburger are phenomenal filmmakers. That's obvious, right? Yeah. Um, and they have made just some fantastically visually stunning movies. Black, Black Narcissus is amazing. Yeah. The Red Shoes is amazing. Uh, their pro-war work um, is usually doesn't doesn't hit us as well. Certainly, right. uh, this one tries to. complicate that pro-war stuff by showing the profiteers and how Sammy's main problem with the entire science division is that it's not part of the military though. Yeah. um, Well, it's, it's, yeah. It's its own thing. Uh, You know, 49th parallel was, you know, blatant, blatant, let's get America into the war propaganda, but at least it was still a fun movie for the most part. Right, yeah, 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 that's true. I had forgotten that that was, that, yeah, yeah, Yeah. I had forgotten about that one, but. Um, But I really feel like this is, this is bottom of the barrel of their work as far as what we've seen. Um, You know, and I know where I'm going was just a, just a not great love story, but at least it was, uh, more interesting even, to me than this. I don't. Oh, it was so. It was one. so long ago. I don't fault you for not remembering that one. Um, it was the the woman who. Uh, they're like on some Scottish island or something. Uh, and he's the local. Oh, is that the one with like the castle out in the island right, or something right, like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. God, that's I don't remember anything yeah. about that movie. 
and uh, and the other the other wartime one we watched was the Canterbury Tale, where <laughs> where the main theme of the movie seems to be that uh, whatever we do to our own citizens is okay as long as it's the war because it's about the local mayor. Uh, <laughs> Oh, putting right. glue yeah, in women's yeah. hair to keep them from cheating on their boyfriends who are off. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was such a, that was such a weird. Like, at least that movie has crazy batshit insanity going for it. You know right, what I mean? Right. That right. one was so weird that I was. I remember like it was a weird one. It was weird enough that I was kind of engrossed by how insane it was. In like, who cooked this plot up? Right. But, right. Like this one doesn't have any of that that sort of fun going for it. It's just. Yeah. And I guess I sort of want to do a Palin Pressburger retrospective here just because we won't see another movie from them until spine number 939, which is when we watch A Matter of Life and Death. You know, though, at this point, I'm starting to think maybe that be maybe for the best because (laughs) we've we've there's been a few that we absolutely love. And then a lot of ones that have been relatively middling at best um <laughs> and 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 especially as as you pointed out the ones dealing with the war have really not been very pleasant ta- taste in my mouth in general right so we've got one more war one to watch at some point yeah. in the future yeah i mean at least this one the advantage of this one is it's not about a soldier which means it is dealing with yeah, but it's about a guy the... who wants to be a soldier. I That's like his entire that. dream. I, I <laughs> so. know, and I understand that, and I agree. But I'm just saying that, like, it's just once tiny, like, like Colonel Blimp was one of the right. worst tastes on my mouth because it, it it's like this one is still very pro-war propaganda, but like because it's post-war, they're kind of just like. Also, they sort hedge of, it a little bit, yeah. Yeah, they're not like we're not like in the thick of it. it and when did Colonel Blimp come out? It's much. Colonel Blimp's weird in that way, right? In forty three, so very okay. early. So war. okay, so but that 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 still fits in the time frame of like we want to talk about like I don't know. It has they feel different. This and that feel fairly different, and it's hard for me to describe what that comes from, other than the fact that like. This one is a little less interested in just telling us just how awesome Total War is. Right, right. And how essential it is to our way of life. Like, this one is more, it's a bad take, it's a fairly bad take on trauma. And, and like, and it deserves some scorn for that, for not being a very good take on trauma. Right. Uh, But... I can see a world where it would have been worse where like I mean he does end up joining the fucking army at the end though. I don't fucking know, man. I quit. <laughs> well, maybe it is about time to quit. Like uh, I want let's put a moratorium on all movies about World War II. Thanks. I have bad news for you, Pat. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's what all movies all <laughs> movies in the Criterion collection are about. Oh no. Uh, at least everyone made after 1937. Um, <laughs> right. Oh no. Oh no. What have we done? Well, actually, next week uh, we'll be watching a movie called 24 Eyes, which is a Japanese post war film. Um, well, those are, it, those at least tend to be fairly interesting. <laughs> right, right. A very uh, different perspective on this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, about a school teacher who lives during oh, the I've rise heard and about fall this one. of I've Japanese I've been wanting to watch this. I'm so excited. 
Yeah. I've been I this was on a list of movies I wanted to watch. There we go. Yeah. 24 Eyes directed by uh Kazuke Kinoshita. Um I I'll, I'll give you that one. It's not that was not right, <laughs> but it's fine. I'm it's sure fine. it's not. Uh I don't believe we've seen anything from that director uh before now. Uh eventually we'll watch The Ballad of Narayama. And there's a lot of their work in the Eclipse Collection, but not a lot in the Criterion Collection outright. Um, yeah, my my understanding, I don't know a lot about uh, that director or really much about this movie other than the fact that I, I put it on a list a long time ago, hey, Pat, you should watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. And then and then haven't yet. Uh, but it, I, I don't get the impression necessarily that, like, I think this is a one of those, like, outstanding works that really sort of stands out from the director's oeuvre kind of but I've, I've heard it is a very powerful movie. No, I really do look forward to that. I, uh, you know, this is the small back room. It's, it really is. I, I think it's indicative of the sort of movie this is even that the Criterion essay by Nick James is called Whiskey Galore with an exclamation point. Oh, and no. like, like oh, if no. that's, if that's how you have to frame talking about this, Maybe, uh, maybe don't, maybe just don't talk about it. Um, anyway, this has been the small black room, um, released in America as hour of glory, um, 1949. I thought hour of glory, if it is about sexual impotency, I thought hour of glory was a more appropriate title. See, it's a, yeah. it's a dumb little joke. Uh, but yeah, uh, I guess I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, from 1949 directed by, uh, Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger, The Archers. Um, yeah, uh, it was fine, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but I'm happy to move on to next week. So thank you so much for listening to Lost of Criterion. I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oatari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Adam Glass. You can find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My partner is John Patrick Coitari Dorgan, and you can find him at J Patrick Dorgan. Check out more of the show at lostincriterion.com or hey, give us a review on iTunes. It's nice. If you really like what you hear, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Hey, our theme music is by Jonathan Hape. Check him out at jonathanhape.com. And thanks for listening. We appreciate it.